Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good? You all hear me out there? Just want to welcome you all. Welcome all our online viewers and our cable viewers and everybody here at the 10 o'clock. It's so good to be with you. Come on, give yourselves a big hand. And uh, we got to go one more round for all the moms in the house. Can we just give it up for all the mothers? Come on. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for bringing us into this world and not taking us out. We are so grateful. We appreciate that. Hey, before we get going, I got a quick announcement. Um, you know, one of the things that is so awesome to be a part of a, a vibrant, healthy community uh, is to, in a growing community, is to be able to uh, do life with other people. And we have a new person that's just kind of become a part of the team. Uh, adds so much value in so many ways and brings a lot of pastoral experience and uh, expertise to uh, Connect Community Church. You know him, you've seen him. He's been a part of uh, Connect for over a year, just kind of uh, driving and commuting over an hour away with his wife and, and, and kids. He's got five kids. He loves kids. He loves his wife. That's what happens. And, uh, and now he's a part. <laughs> he just can't quit. Now he's a part now he's a part of the Connect Community staff. I want you to give a, a big hand clap for Pastor Mark McCatherine. He's also one of our staff pastors. Come on, come on, come on. His kids are somewhere. Where are you, kids? Where are you? It's like three or four of you somewhere in the house. Where are you? Raise your hand good and high. They're like, oh, here I am, here I am. Don't show me. Okay. It's three out of the five are in there. But anyway, his wife, Julie, is probably downstairs serving somewhere. So what an honor. What an honor. Well, welcome to You Asked For It. Okay? Is everybody ready for this? You can get your worship guides out. You can follow along on version as well. The premise of this series is that we would design messages uh, based on questions that people have. And there are some really not-so-important questions, dumb questions, things that happen. You know, how many of you guys got kids? Raise your hand if you got kids. Okay, how many are a kid? If, if you didn't raise your hand, you should show up in that one. Um, you know, kids ask crazy questions, you know? I mean, it's just funny, you know. Dad, you know, do, do, do bald people have dandruff? And, you know, and do, 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 do vegetarians eat animal crackers? And, you know, and so we're going to go a little higher level than that, okay? So you're like, oh, awesome. Well, it doesn't mean we're going to go to Google, okay? So we're not going to go to Google. We're going to go to God. But... But um, we could go to Siri, though. So I was playing with Siri the other day. Anybody have conversations with Siri just for fun? Anybody? Yeah. Come on, admit it. You know you do it. I don't do that. I don't do that. So I was asking Siri funny questions, and I was asking her if she had a boyfriend, and that was funny. And, and uh, that was fun. And I said, so, Siri, what is zero divided by zero? Imagine that you have zero cookies and you split them evenly among zero friends. How many cookies does each person get? See, it doesn't make sense. And Cookie Monster is sad that there are no cookies. And you are sad that you have no friends. Siri, hey, putting it to me, you know what I'm saying? So we're going to upgrade from Siri, okay? We're not going to go to Google. We're going to go to God's Word, and we're going to answer questions that you asked for. And the number one question you asked for is, can you help me with my stress? Turn to your neighbor and say, you look stressed. <laughs> Woo! Everybody's stressed. Culture is just like ramped up, amped up, pumped, you know, on stress. And I think the reason being is that the earth, you know, is trying to offer more. 
It's, it's got more opportunities. It's got more outlets, more distractions, more distortions, all these different things that we can jump into and jump onto. And we're trying to get more done in less time. We're working like our tails off. The earth is offering more all the time, and yet sometimes we're struggling to get it all done. It's amazing that in our culture today, we are working more hours than any other generation in the history of humanity. In fact, our generation is working 181 hours per month more than the previous generation. That translates into one extra month in the previous generation in the same 12 months. All right, that's a lot of work. Now, moms, check this out. It, the survey went out and it said that 80% of moms are stressed out. Stressed out. <laughs> She's good. Praise the Lord. Can you come up here and pray for any lead people? 70% of those 80% of those moms who are stressed out, 70% of those 80% are sleep deprived. I was going to throw pictures up, but they're, they're bad. They're bad. <laughs> They're bad. They're sleep deprived. I have a thing on my Facebook. I was watching this comedian. I'm not endorsing the comedian, but he's really funny. I think his name's Jim Brewer or whatever. And you got to go check it out. So just, just, just show up. Not now, but go to my Facebook and just watch this clip of, you know, moms, why are they sleep deprived? It's so funny. So on the money. If you're a dad, you are cold busted when you watch this. But it just, it just all ends, you know, she's staying up in the night. It's 5 in the morning, you know, sitting at the end of her bed. And, you know, and you, you, the father wakes up and he's looking at her and like, what are you doing? And she's like, watching you, you know, like just <laughs> like scary stuff, you know what I mean? And at the end of it, she's so mad because of one simple thing. He gave his kids a cup of water that ended up getting the kids up in the middle of the night and then they peed their bed and then they went crazy and had a freak out and then she had a freak out because the kid had a freak out and then, you know, she stayed up till five in the morning all because you gave him a cup of water, <sighs> you know, and the it's so great. It's so great. You got to check it out. It cracks me up. So the reason we ask this question is because people want to come to church on a day like today and say, PD, help me with my stress. Help me cope. Help me, help me manage my schedule. Help me fit it all in. And I wish I could have showed a clip or a picture or something that would have demonstrated, like in a nutshell, what we try to do. Now, some of you ladies, you didn't know what I'm talking about. I'm not picking on anybody because guys do it too with our leather pants. We try to fit into a pair of jeans. Remember, ladies, when you try to do this, you get these skinny, tight jeans, and you, like, you practically jump into them, and you've seen you, you're like bouncing around trying to pull these things up, right? That, that's what I thought of when I think about time management in the world that we live in. We're trying to squeeze all of this in to that bit of jeans. We're trying to fit it all in. But the reality is, kind of the, 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 the message in a sentence is, it's too much. You can't fit it all in. And time management, you know, tries to show us how we can get more done in less time. And cultures trying to condition us that if you do these things, you can get it all done. And, and you can't. It's just too much. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's just too much. It's just too much, okay? I was reading one article um, just studying moms and what moms are going to. And, and it was just long dissertation about different things and, you know, women in the work world and how the roles are changing and all this kind of stuff. But it basically was saying with the increase of women in the work world, 25% of the women that are working today in the work world, either part-time or full-time, 25% of those women cry one time per week because they can't have it all and get it all done, in a nutshell. They're so stressed out because I can't, I can't, I want it all, and I want, but I can't have it all. I want to tell everybody I'm an awesome, I want my kids to think I'm the best mom on the planet. I want my husband to think I'm the hottest woman on the planet. 
And so I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do this to meet this and this, and I want the people at work to think I'm the best at what I do. And, ah, and that's what ends up happening. <laughs> and so it doesn't all fit. And as a result, what happens, it produces this feeling that we call stress, and we have arguments and sleeplessness and tension and health issues, and it's just this internal combustion, you know? So, so here's the big idea. Write this down if you're taking notes, Okay. Just because it's doable does not mean it's sustainable. So right now, there's certain things that you're believing, certain, like, I'm just going to call them distortions or even take it all the way out, lies. You're believing certain things are true that are not true, that are creating this dis-ease in your soul. You think you can do it all. Maybe you are right now, but you won't be able to keep doing it all. It's taking a toll, a price, on your soul. Job 9.25, the New Century Version says, my days go by faster than a runner. Remember that word, that metaphor? They fly away without me seeing, without my seeing any joy. So we're like, you know, running, 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 running. We don't even have time to pull over and sniff the roses. We don't have time to, to sip a cup of coffee and just quiet without our phone levitating off the ground, or kids, you know, or, you know, all these different things. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, sometimes it's just funny. We've been in, we have staff meetings sometimes at, at we have staff meetings all the time, but we have meetings, and we bring, some of us bring our phones, and it's just funny. We sit down, it's like, ding, 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 ding. It's like a piano symphony that's going on because of all the activity that's coming in all the time. And so what can happen is your physical activity is taking a toll on your soul. The excess of it, the extremes of it, are in the conditions of it. They're taxing you, and and I'm doing all I'm doing it all. Maybe on the outside, but man, it's messing me up on the inside. Is everybody tracking with me? So why are we so busy? Here's three things why we're so busy. Number one, too many choices. <laughs> I remember as a kid, this is dating me, but I can remember we had three channels on the television. Listen, young people, we had to get out of our chair <laughs> to switch the channel. And we had two more choices after that. Now we have a remote control for everything if we want it. Not only that, we don't have three channels. We have 3,000 channels at our disposal. I watch multiple programs at the same time. My wife is like, what are you doing? I don't want to miss anything. If they can put 12 boxes on the screen, I'd do it. I'm sure they can. I haven't figured it out. Somebody want to tell me after church? I'll want to learn because I want to watch them all at the same time. She's like, how do you focus? I'm not trying to focus. <laughs> I, I like it. It's sick. It's sick. It's sick. It's sick. You know? We didn't have video games when I was a kid. We had dirt. You open the door. By the way, there's a door, young people. And when you, when you open the door, it goes outside. <laughs> and there's this stuff, and it's called soil and dirt. And we played in it. It was awesome. You know, but now we've got, oh, my gosh, we've got so many games. We can go down the road, and we have more choices in a two-mile, you know, two square miles. We probably could go to 25 different restaurants. I don't know what I want to eat. I don't know what I want to eat. My wife and I have had more conflict over the choices of what we're going to eat. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We'll be at the end of the week. It's date night. Date night. We're supposed to, whoo, connect. Hey, how you doing? Looking towards your eyes, flecked her eyes. 
enjoy, you know, take a look, you know. That's how it should be. But no, we're fighting over where we can eat. What do you want to eat? I don't know what you want to eat. I don't care what I want to eat. Honey, this is what I'm thinking in my head. I don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I've made decisions all week long. I don't want to make one more decision. Woman, just tell me where you want to eat. And she's thinking, I don't, I, she really doesn't care until I make a decision. <laughs> That's not completely true. But anyway, it was funny, just the same. We have all these choices. Choices, choices, choices. We have social media platforms, young people. It's unbelievable. You turn your phone, you got to have like, you got to have extra space. And now you got folders to put all the things inside because you can't put it on your screen. So we got Facebook and YouTube and we got LinkedIn and we got Twitter and we got Tumblr and we got Pinterest and we got Instagram. Oh my gosh, we're trying to connect, but we're not connected. So we go out to eat, we're all looking at our phones. <laughs> Nobody's connecting. All right, here's the next one. Too much social pressure. Too much social pressure. For a lot of us, we are not living the lives we want to live. We are living the lives other people want us to live. I look at our calendar. I can remember when the kids were young in elementary school and middle school. I'm thinking, schools are dictating my calendar. Sports programs are dictating. I look at the calendar. Oh, my gosh. How did all this get on that 30-day week? I didn't decide any of that. Honey, we got to go to this, 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 and they got 29 million friends, we got to go to 800 million birthdays, and we got to be there, and it's going to be there. Oh my gosh, I'm not living the life that I want to live. I'm living the life that something else or someone else is choosing for me. I had a friend who used to say, use, Derek, use schedule, stress. Sometimes we don't even realize we're saying yes to things while we're scheduling stress to the rest of the things that are most important to our lives. Here's the third one. We believe we can have it all. We believe we can have it all. And I'll address this belief thing in just a minute, but this is especially true for a, a younger generation. You know, you just, you, your access and your opportunities have multiplied um, tremendously. And so as a result, you believe you can have it all. And you know what? In a way, you kind of can. And you can have it all. Not only have it all, you're convinced you can have it all now. Now. Now, I'm a big fan of uh, Amazon.com. Anybody use Amazon.com? Okay unbelievable if you don't like to shop. I don't like to shop. Women shop. They actually, they, they go around and they're like, oh, you know, you'll just spend like 45 minutes looking at stuff. And then you put it on the rack and I don't know what happens. It's like subconscious conversation. I'll come back to this later. <laughs> you go shop for three more hours and then you come back to that same spot. I don't understand you. <laughs> I go into a mall. I hunt. I bag it, I kill it, I pay for it, I get out, okay? So when Amazon.com came, I was like, this is awesome. Time saver, right? Time saver. Click, 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 click. Totally awesome. Box sent to my front door. Amazing. Here's the downside of that. With that option, now it's so easy to shop, and you end up trying to get it all and more than you really need, and now Americans are spending 117% of their monthly income. How many know you can't keep doing that for very long? The government thinks it can, but you can't. Ooh, <laughs> I threw that one in there. So this is a problem. You can get buttons that you can buy so that it's easier for you to have it when you want it and want it now. You can buy a little button, and it just says Tide on it. So the, la the ladies can go down to their little laundromat downstairs in their house, and they can run out of detergent and be so upset, and you can just go, boom, button. Push this one button, 
goes right to your phone, orders it from Amazon.com, shows up at your front door. Some of you are like, I like that, I'm writing that down. But in the process, we keep trying to do more, 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 more. And it's conditioning us in our culture that we can have it and that we can have it all now. Is everybody tracking with me? So we all know this is true. We all know that there's just too many choices. We all know that we can't have it all. We all know that there's social pressures that are going on right now. So I'm not going to give you a way to cope. I'm not going to give you a way to manage all this and fit it all in. I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give you principles that guide your beliefs and practices that affect your lifestyle, okay? Principles. Principles relate to our beliefs. They are guidelines, not rules. They are boundaries, not policies. Why why is that so important to have those in your life? Because you're going to face things in your life. Life is, uh, it's dynamic. It's ever-changing. It's motion. It's moving. And so if you have to have a rule and a policy and a a handbook for everything that's going on, you're going to struggle, okay? So we'll have practices. We'll have kind of rules for living, but there's, it's hard to have all of those mapped out perfectly in this crazy nuts world in which we live. Is everybody tracking with me? So you have to have at the core, at a heart level, these, these beliefs or these practice, these principles, excuse me, that affect you from the inside out. That way when you, affect, you, you face these things from the outside, you already have something that's going to help you navigate and mitigate these difficult things in your life. So here's, here's three principles that are going to help you with stress, okay? Here's the first one. Is everybody, everybody ready? Yeah. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter in, to, in order to have more of what does. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter in order to have more of what does. The wisdom of life consists in the removal of non-essentials. The wisdom of life consists of getting these non-essentials out of our life, removing them. But we think we can have and we want sometimes more. We want to have all our preferences and all our particulars, but we also want to have all these important things in our life too. You cannot have both. You cannot have both. We, like, we, 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 we want more. If $1 is good, then $2 is what? Better, right? If one week's vacation is good, then two weeks is what? Better, right? If one Fig Newton is good, one sleeve is better. <laughs> right? If one kid is good, then two is? Oh, nobody bit on that one, baby. No, no, no. If one wife is good, two is not good. Not good. Don't do that, right? I heard a seminary student, he asked his professor, he said, why is it that Solomon had so many wives? And so the the professor answered and said, Solomon thought, perhaps when I come home from work every day, at least one of them will be in a good mood. (laughs) All right, it better be good, it better be good. All right. Here's these statistics about what you're doing with your time that prove that sometimes we're not doing the most important things in the process. You will actually eat out, on average, an American eats out 14,411 times in your lifetime. 1,800 of those are McDonald's. That's not a good use of your time. You know what I'm talking about, okay? You'll spend 13 years and four months watching television and say, I don't have enough time. Yes, you do. All right? You're going to spend one year looking for things you've lost. Has anybody seen my wallet? Has anybody seen my keys? Is anybody? Is anybody? Anybody see my kids? Anybody? You're going to go to 35 weddings in your lifetime. You're going to drive 627,000 miles in a minivan or what, some kind of vehicle. All right? That's 25 times circling the globe. You have time, but sometimes we're not doing the most important things. We're often going to the wrong places with our time. So what do we do? Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, Better is one handful with tranquility 
In other words, what do you really want in life? Peace. Peace. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls, too much, two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. So the belief system, you have to get to this place in your life, in your belief system at the core where less is better. Less is better. You cannot have it all. Is everybody tracking with me? Here's the next one. Next principle is uh, it's better to live by design than default. It's better to live by design than by default. And remember that running metaphor that we, we opened up with in Job 9.25. You are all called. You have a purpose. You have a design. In fact, I believe we have this principle we teach in 301, desire, design, destiny. There's something inside of you that fires you up. That's connected to the way you were made. And that's connected to what God wants you to do in your life. But most people, almost 9 out of 10 believers are not running in the lane that God created them to do. And can I tell you something? When you're not living by design, you are at the core living in stress. And as a result, your default will be to distractions and options and opportunities and all these things that are going on on the outside instead of living and running in the lane that God has created you to run in. If you looked, if, if there could be a big circle drawn around my body right now and you quantified the time and the energy and effort that I put out on a daily basis, you put out on a daily basis, many of us have it going in all different directions. But what would happen if we could focus in design our time, our energy, and our effort into one direction, we would have more power, more energy, more effort. We would go longer, further, faster, farther because we'd aimed that, that energy and aimed that, that uh, calling and purpose because we're living in our design. Is everybody tracking with me? And God knows your design. God has the owner's manual of the way that you were made. That should be, listen, if you're a pre-believer, as I like to say, or you're kind of seeking this thing out, that should be incentive enough to find out more about God because he has the owner's manual on your life, according to his word. He's the only one who can tell you the true purpose and calling of your life. He's the only one that can help you figure out what you were created to do in advance. That's what God wants for you. Because if you don't find, here's where the stress comes in. If you don't figure out what that lane is, if you don't aim in the right direction, then someone else is prioritizing your life for you. That's what happens. If we don't prioritize our life, someone else is doing that for us. Everyone's going to make a plan for your life when you don't know what God's plan for your life is. Psalm 139, 16 says this, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God put his hands on you. He ordained something for you to do. Then he put it in a book. This is what, it's about. This is what the word is saying. A parallel text for this is Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship. His masterpiece created what in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared what in advance for us to do even before you came to be God created you to do something incredible he created you with a certain design and it's written in a book and you find out what's written in that book through relationship with him oh that's so good I hope you realize how good that is all right here's the next one it's better to get the right things done not more things done it's better to get the right things done not more things done this is about um, this is something that I'm having to learn a lot more about in the latter part of my life. I wish I lived more like this when I was younger, uh, but about intentional living. Living, you can write this down, with intentionality. Intentionality, purpose, agenda, 
Every day should be lived with purpose and intentionality. How much we do is not so much the focus, but are we doing the right thing should be more the focus. It's not about being busy. It's about being productive, effective, intentional in our living. Sometimes we wear, uh, as Americans in particular, this busy badge. How you doing? I'm busy. What have you been doing? I'm busy. I'm busy, busy, busy. I'm busy. I'm important. I'm important is what kind of we're saying. I want you to know, you know, and so it, sometimes with some of us, this is true of men, it was true of me, my work and my worth are connected. So I want everybody to know, I'm the first one in, I'm the last one out. Busy, 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 busy. But I'm not doing the most important things. I need to be effective in my workplace and realize that less is better so that I can go home and do more of what's more important with my family and with my children and maybe more in ministry. And listen, if you don't have time for ministry, then your life's out of balance. Mm, that's a good point. I think that was a good point right there. Somebody didn't want to hear that, but that's all right. Proverbs 17, 24 says this, an intelligent person aims. Aim. Rudy Tootie, aim and shooty. Aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Is your life, you just get up and <laughs> go all over the place? The other day I was cleaning my house, and, and I was, my wife was away. She was speaking at a conference, and I'm like, I got to get this house in order. You know what I mean? I was just running around. Whew, click it up, click, click. I was just all over the place. You know, and I realized I need to focus or I'm going to get nothing done. So I just focused on the bedroom, right? And as soon as I focused, it was like, oh, this feels so much better because I was aiming my life with wise actions. Is everybody tracking with me? So you must have principles to guide your thinking and then practices to guide your doing. So here's the practices that we all need because it's important to understand it. But then how do we get it done? In fact, PD, I believe all of that, but now help me get it done. So here's some practices that are huge, okay? Um, Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders, get rid of all these hindering things. And the sin that so easily entangles us, sin doesn't always mean what you think. Sin can be going in the wrong direction. Sin is when we're going in the wrong direction. We're away from God's plan for our life, okay? And then it says, and let us run there's that metaphor again. With perseverance, you got to stay with it. The race marked out for us. Or you could say, my race. You need to run your race. Life won't make sense until you connect with the race that God wants you to run. So how do we do that? Here's very practical information. Number one, be sure to stop and evaluate. I have a song comes into my head, hammer time. Stop. Anyway. You need to... In other words, you need to take inventory of what is going on in your life and your activities. Remember how I said physical activity can take a toll on your soul. So take a look at your activity. Take a look at your, your, maybe your schedule from time to time. A lot of times, you know, even church, we go to church and we just, we don't realize that, yes, it's a, it's a time to worship God and pray and glorify God. But sometimes we don't take time out to respond to what happens here. You know, that doesn't just have to happen at church. I think Sunday should, the whole day should be the Lord's. But you ought to have at least 15 minutes on a Sunday to reflect on what you received today in order to be able to put it into practice. Do you stop and evaluate? In order for that to be effective in your life and bring change to your life, sometimes we just have to stop. It's amazing to me how seldom we ask the question, am I doing or am I in the right activities? Am I, am, I, am I on course? Am I doing what I really should be doing? There's been times where on a Sunday, or in my case, you know, uh, I, try, I don't always do this, so don't please take this like I'm some perfect person, but I try to on a monthly basis evaluate my schedule. 
What am I doing with my time and my energy? Am I putting my life into the right things? Sometimes I get excessive over here. Sometimes excessive over there. I look at things that are inside the church, outside the church, in my family, in my relationships, in my extracurricular activities, my computer time, my social media time. All those things you can start to look at. Give them a grade and say, how am I doing? There's been areas of my life where I'm like, F. <laughs> and then what do I need to do to make the changes? And I look at that. And as soon as I make those changes, stress starts to go away. Because I stopped and I began to evaluate my life. Most of the time when people do this, it's not strategic. It's at a funeral. Meaning, you get to a place where somebody you love maybe goes from this life to the next, maybe unforeseen, maybe unpredictable, and it's, in, it's amazing. I've been on both sides where you're sitting there and you're listening, and it's in those moments you're thinking, is my life making a difference? Will people say, like, say things like this about me? What will they say about me? Am I doing the most important things? Am I focused on the right stuff? See, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, it's not in your notes, but it says that funerals are good because it, it brings a certain sobriety to life. There's only so many days. And I have one day less than yesterday left. And so when you take that time and you reflect, basically Solomon is saying you should do that as a regular habit. The power of this principle is not that you do it at a funeral. The power comes when you do it regularly and routinely. Yeah. Put 15 minutes aside uh, with your spouse and evaluate your schedule. My wife and I have a date night. And, and this isn't super romantic, but it's very stress relieving. We'll talk about our lives and our schedules for about 15 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes, just evaluating. Are we doing the right things? Are we, up to, are we on the same page? It's kind of what are you doing? And then we talk about how we're doing. So quiet in here, but it must be because everybody's thinking about this stuff. I hope it's all good. Praise the Lord. I'm going to keep going forward. Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5 says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. So I need to stop and number them, count them, have a, sobri a sober moment. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Reflect on it, the brevity of it, the mist of it, according to James. You know, Hebrews tells us we're all destined to die. It's not like a positive thing. Nobody wants it as a bumper sticker. Nobody, like, gives anybody a fist pump about we're all going to die. But when we look at our life and realize in order for it to matter, I need to sometimes stop and evaluate and count. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Is everybody tracking with me? Yes. So, so here's the thing. I think you want to do these things because you don't want to become a statistic. You know, a lot of people don't fail or fall because the enemy comes like in a red, you know, suit with a pitchfork and a tail and goes, I'm here to destroy your life. Rah! You know, no. It's subtle. It's distractions. It's keeping you busy and occupied about things that don't matter and don't make a difference. Is everybody with me? So it's important to reflect. Here's the next one. Make the tough call. Everybody say, make the tough call. When you start to reflect on your life, it'll always require some difficult decisions, difficult decisions. There is a conflict between my preferences, the things I like to do, my passions, and the things that are most important. And you have to subordinate one to the other in order to live a stress-free life and an effective life and run the race that God has for you. All of us can't be two handful people. We have to decide that one hand, what are the most important things in my life? I remember when we were raising our kids. We have four kids. And we had certain kind of like in-house rules. I can't talk about all these for the sake of time. But, you know, we, we, for the most part, there were some exceptions to this. We had like a no sleepover rule. 
Okay? Why? Because when I, <laughs> it's not going to be popular with the kids, but the parents are going to love this, right? So when I was growing up, everything that really went wrong in my life, sleepover. First time I ever drank a beer, sleepover. First time I ever had a cigarette, sleepover. First time I ever looked at something I shouldn't look at, sleepover. <laughs> so when my kids want to do it, sleepover, I said, no. <laughs> right? And when I said yes, listen, listen, when I said yes, I didn't really want to. But because of social pressure, because of what people would think, because I don't want to be that, that guy, I don't want to judge them, right? But in my heart, I was like, ah, I want to protect their innocence. I want to keep them from things. I want to make sure that down the road here, the things that are most important are still intact in their life. And you have to make tough calls as a parent. You're going to have to decide to say no to some things so that you, and avoid being popular, but instead being respected. Amen. Mm. And, and we made those decisions. Amen, amen. We made those decisions with dating and things like that. It's not popular. The girls, when they want, they want to see somebody, a special friend, whatever we call it in our house. I don't like the word dating. This is, they have to come over and meet dad. They got to meet dad. <laughs> meet the guns, right? When the suns come out, the guns come out. That's all I'm saying. So is, ask them, is it popular? No, it's not. They don't like it. But I can tell you that deep down, there, there's respect. And the people that, listen, this, this is hard to say without, seeing, uh, without qualifying everything. The people look at our marriage or our family, they want it, but they won't make the tough calls. And so they'll run all around, try to keep up with the Joneses and saying, yeah, we had to do this with sports. Our kids can't do sports all the time. They, we just made that decision. My, my kids, my son's a great athlete. My, my, my girls are pretty good athletes. But they're not going to be professional athletes. And if they were, that's not their calling. My job is to help facilitate and steward their lives and point them to the bent that God has for their life. Get in their lane and figure out what that is. And when you figure out what that is, that's what you need to be focusing your attention on. But all these other things, maybe it goes four or five, maybe 10 years down the road. At the end of that, listen, I've been on the other end of this as a pastor and now in some, in some respects as a parent. I've watched parents give in to letting everybody else control our schedules and our cycles. Don't, don't misinterpret me. I'm fine with sports. Don't, don't take this as legalism. I'm just trying to make an extreme point. We give in to something. It's not intentional. It's not purposeful. It's reactive. We, don't, we want to be popular. We want our kids to like us. And at the end of all that that we're doing for them, they don't like us. They're further away from God than you could ever imagine. The family's divided. And we ask ourselves, why do we do that? I've seen that over and over and over again. Sleepovers, dating, sports, all these different kinds of things. I could go all day. If you learn to say no, you'll trade popularity for respect. It makes a big, big difference in your life. All right, I got to move on. So the summary so far is we need to, a time of elimination, evaluation, and execution. Here's the third thing. Focus on what matters most. Focus on what matters most. It's okay to do things that don't matter. Just don't do them first. <laughs> Just don't do them first. Uh, Matthew 6.33, it's not in your notes, but it says, seek first the kingdom of God. There's a few things that actually matter and basically, the scripture is saying, do those first. Do those first. Focus on what matters most. So what does matter? Let me give you three things that matter. And you're going to need, before I give you these three things, you're going to need some type of grid to determine for you what matters most. So I'm going to give you a grid that, that helped me determine what matters most. You don't have to do this. You don't have to believe this. Okay? But here's my, here's my simple grid. Will what I'm doing with my life matter 100 years from now? That's the filter. 
Will it matter 100 years from now? There's a lot of things that we're doing that really don't matter. You can do them, just don't do them first. The things that will make life make, make sense, reduce stress, bring fulfillment, reward, put your head down on the pillow at night, just go, oh, man, life is worth living. I did something that mattered to make a difference. I think you got to look through that grid, that lens. So here's three, th three things that I believe matters. Number one, God matters. God matters. Can I have an amen out there from somebody? You'll thank me one day that I told you this, but if you don't believe this, you'll look across the judgment throne of God one day. I say this strong to people that are listening online. You're going to look across the judgment throne of God one day, and if you decided not to believe this, you're going to say, he was right. He was right. Because you're going to be face to face one day with your maker, your God. So I don't believe that. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The Bible says in Philippians that every knee will bow, every tongue will, every tongue, every knee will bow, and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I have a choice to bow my knee then, or I can bow my knee now in my life and lifestyle and my practices. I choose to bow my knee now in what I do every single day so I have to live a life that matters. So when I stand before God face to face, he can say, welcome, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the rest of the Lord. Is everybody with me today? Jesus talked about this, and he basically told a rich man who came along, and he put a bunch of stock in the earth. In Luke 12, it says this in verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It's not in your cars. It's not in your toys and trinkets. It's not in, you know, job and football and all those kind of things. All of that is corruptible according to scriptures. It burns. It doesn't last. It will not be there ultimately. It will not be there 100 years from now. So be careful, Jesus said. The guy responded in the story and basically says, you know what? I'm going to go for even more. I'm going to be even more successful. I'm going to store it for myself even more. And Jesus said to him in verse 20, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Listen, I don't know when that is, but ultimately our life will be demanded from us. I know this is strong, but I'm trying to be a good pastor here. If you want popular preaching, you should go someplace else. This is preaching that will help people be a stress-free life and make a difference. Amen? Amen? But our life will be demanded of us one day. And I don't know when that is, but when that is, I don't want this to happen to me. Then it says, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? You can't take it with you, in other words. And so Jesus gives us this verse. He says, to remember, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. How do you live a life that matters? Put God first. Be rich towards God. Uh, that may look different for you than me, but I want to live my whole life doing something that's going to go ahead of me. That will, that will last beyond me. That will leave a legacy. That's why, and, and the only place that God will be in our life, listen, is first. He won't be second. You can look at throughout the scriptures. It won't happen. Paul said it this way. And I was talking to a young man yesterday who I love and admire. He's transformed by the power of God. And he's, he was a great athlete. And he was, he was, he was moving in a direction towards football and, and, and kind of an upper-level postgraduate, you know, kind of football league type thing. And, and I was talking to him because at one time he was going to go away and play football. And I said, you know, so where is this in your, in your plan, in your life plan? Is this, is this on, the, on the back burner or is this off the table? He says it's off the table because basically he had an encounter with God. And it's similar to the encounter that Paul had with God. And, and God spoke to him and just basically showed him, you know, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And as soon as you see the plan and purpose for your life and you surrender your life to his will, all these other things will pale in comparison. Their attraction and their distraction pales in comparison. And Paul said this in Philippians 3. Whatever were gains to me, in other words, before, 
Maybe it's playing college ball, building my own business, doing my own thing for myself. I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. In other words, everything is garbage compared to knowing him. And if you ever took the leap and gave Jesus everything, you'd say what Paul said. He's better than everything I tried to get on my own life. And as I surrendered my life to him, stress went away. Here's the next thing. People matter. Everybody say, people matter. Everything burns. Everything dies. Everything goes away. But people last forever. They live forever. When you look through the lens of 100 years from now, it's all about people. And so we do everything we can to center our lives around people, to be rooted and connected in relationship with people. Sunday Night Live, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was preaching about two trees, a palm tree and a redwood tree. A palm tree is a powerful tree. And there's a lot of people out here that think they can do it in their own strength. And you have a root system that's pretty strong, and you're holding up okay by yourself. And a palm tree can have roots that go down 30 feet, equivalent to the height of a palm tree. But a redwood has roots that are only three feet deep. But yet it is the strongest tree. It can grow 300 feet high, and it can last 1,800 years. The power of the redwood is that when the torrent and the winds and the storms of life come, the reason that it stands and it can survive is because it's connected to a forest, the redwood trees. When you go up against a redwood, you go up against a whole bunch of other people. And the Bible says, you know, one can put 1,000, two, 10,000. What can four do? What can five do? What can 10 do, 10 do when they're connected? Ecclesiastes tells us so much about this in the word, that though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. I encourage you that people matter. Center your lives around relationships. Get rooted and connected and intertwined with other people, and stress will be eliminated. Last point, eternity. Everybody say eternity. It matters. Now, I love this verse as I conclude. Matthew 13, says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then his joy went, and, 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 then, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. This field, what is this field? It's anything eternal. This field is anything eternal. Eternity matters. You have to decide to do things that are eternal. To spend your life on things that are eternal. To give to things that are eternal. To invest in things that are eternal. To serve, to pray, do things that are eternal. Because that's where life really matters. Would you stand to your feet and let me pray for you guys right where you are? I'm going to pray for two groups of people this morning. The first one, quickly. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you could. Just be still, very, very still. The prayer team's coming there for you to pray for you after the service. But let me, let me say something to you. I know you've got a busy day and it's Mother's Day and all that, but I was just thinking about moms. I was thinking about dads. I was thinking about singles and individuals that are here today. Some of you are like, I can't do it all. There's some people here today that are like, I can't do it all. It's just too much. Some of you are already in a relationship with God and you, do, you need to practice what you say you believe. Practice what you say you believe. And I'm praying that God give you the courage to do that. But some of you, you're right. You can't do it all. And you're not connected to God. And I'm just telling you that the fulfillment that you're looking for, the satisfaction that you're looking for is not going to be chasing all that the world has to offer. Look at where it's going. Speeding up, giving you more, but offering you less at the end of it. Just play it all out, sir, man, boy, or girl. It doesn't work. 
But if you'll surrender your life to Christ, he will reorder your life. Make you a congruent person where you feel like the same person on the inside that you are trying to be on the outside and vice versa. He'll make your soul come in line. But it all comes when you seek first the kingdom of God, when you put him first in your life, when you surrender your life to Jesus. And I, I believe he's speaking to some people here that are in this room, some people that are listening online. If you know he's talking to you and you want to invite him into your life today, I'm not going to call you down front. No embarrassment, nothing like that. Just you, me, and God right here in this room as if it's just us. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I want to know Jesus. I want to invite him in my life today. Good night. Don't miss it. God bless you, hon. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Don't, all the way to the back there. Thank you. Yes. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, over there. All the way in the back, sir, I see your hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, I see your hand, honey. That's awesome. Over on the right. That's great. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? And those that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer from your heart? God, I can't do it by myself. I need you. Apart from you, I can't do it. I can't do anything without you. I invite you into my life today. Refresh my relationship with you. Make my relationship real and alive. Create in me a new heart, a new position in the family of God. I surrender my life to you today in the precious name of Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, everybody pray that prayer. Seal it. As their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Lord, it may be never erased. I pray in Jesus' name that every person that came in stressed leaves stress-free. The burden's off their shoulders in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on.